Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Clinton Davis. We recorded this a few weeks ago at my home in Portland, Oregon. Before we get started, I want to tease that I have an exciting announcement coming very soon. So, make sure you're following me on social media so you can be among the first to hear. That is all. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with Clinton Davis. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. To get up in the cool. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. Uh, I didn't know how to find Portland Old Time Music gathering guests because it's a weird year for the yes. gathering, and I didn't know who was going to come. So I think we've been trying to make this happen for a while. I think we've talked about doing this before, but yeah, yeah. I uh, put out a record um, earlier in 2021 and was just sort of looking for ways to let people know about it since I figured I wasn't going to be traveling a ton. Yeah. And so I, everybody I know that plays old time music has listened to your podcast for a while. And I was doing an online lesson and someone suggested I do that and said, oh, holy great. crap, like you're right. <laughs> and then I like immediately wrote to you and then just went yeah. from there. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we made it happen. Yeah. Uh, I love that tune. I don't think I've ever played it with Missouri rules guitar before. Uh-huh. Uh, you requested that I play guitar, and then I said, do you have chord preferences? And you said, Missouri rules. Uh-huh. And then, because I haven't typically played in a Missouri spe- guitar in a Missouri-specific kind of jam, I was like, can you remind me of how that works? 
I was like, I have a big understanding that that means that I don't, basically that I don't listen to the melody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, well, yeah, it's just a chord formula that can work for uh, many tunes, you know, particularly tunes that don't really spell out chord changes really strongly. You know, some tunes do, and like the chord needs to have a certain chord at a certain moment, but tunes like that one are kind of like sort of pentatonic-ish. Right. And when melodies are like that, they can be a little bit more open-ended chord-wise. But uh, I uh, I like the Missouri rules on that one because uh, uh, the... 78 recording of this from the Jimmy Johnson string band is a kind of a personal favorite of mine mm. and, and important to me in my history and old time music that uh, that recording and that band was uh, made of musicians from my hometown and I didn't really know that until I was mm. like uh, you know in college and when I but when I learned that that sort of I'd been getting into old time music but didn't play the fiddle yet and then when I heard that melody and learned that story i just said okay i gotta learn the fiddle now <laughs> all right <laughs> that's it right there we walked right into the fiddle origin story great yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh well i i want to follow up on that but i, I do want to say that like even though yes arguably this is just a mess of pentatonic mostly pentatonic notes mm -hmm. in this in this tune a lovely mess but it's yeah. like it's not necessarily dictating mm -hmm. specific chords those are super not the chords that i would have Assumed, uh -huh. especially starting uh, a section on the E, mm -hmm. I would have assumed that I would be playing something different there, like a C major right. or an E minor. Uh -huh. Maybe even all of like that's what I feel like the melody. If if I were really following the melody, that's what I would like assume it was doing because it hangs out on that E and on the B and spells it out, but it's actually. It's really thrilling to hear just the straight-ahead Missouri chords and to have that tension of the, like, rubbing little notes, you know? Just right next to a piano. Yeah. You know, have this kind of stuff going right, on. Right, right. Yeah. And that just sort of creates all these really interesting dissonances, I guess, to modern ears. But I, I've thought a little bit about, like, the Missouri rules thing, and the, as best as I can... My theory, which is just, you know, unsubstantiated by anything, is just... Maybe that that chord progression is just sort of like a part of a, a kind of oral tradition of, you know, chording backing musician instruments where, like, you just learn that. You learned that chord progression and maybe, like, two other chord progressions. Yeah. And then you just sort of find one that works well enough. And, yeah. you know, there's... That's, that's the only way I can make sense out of it. It's like the smoke <laughs> on the water. Yeah, and you know, if, if, that does, if that doesn't work, then you do the purple haze, yeah, know, or whatever. You know, and it's like one of them will work well enough. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, were they playing Missouri Rules guitar in that recording then? Yeah, and in uh, just about maybe not every single tune they recorded, but most of the tunes they recorded, they did like six or seven. But you're not from, and they, also they're not from Missouri. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The name is like a misnomer. I, I, if I remember right, and that's a big if, the term or Missouri rules originated from a musicologist that was studying Missouri fiddling. Yeah. And observed that 
you know, that chord progression accounted for virtually all of the backing right. in that tradition. But, you know, it that chord progression and that tendency is found, has been and was found elsewhere in the United States, you know. So that tune and the recording I'm talking about and my hometown, it's, it's a Carroll County, Kentucky. It's yeah. on, it's on the Ohio river. So, I mean, it's, you know, you literally can see Indiana and therefore, you know, the quote unquote Midwest uh-huh. from there, you know, and St. Louis is just down the river, you know, so, and Missouri. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. It's... So you, you find, uh, you know, in fiddlers, especially along the Ohio River, you know, that they're oftentimes have, sh- there's a lot of overlap between Midwestern tendencies yeah. and then like. Connected by that river. Deeper Appalachian like tendencies. Huh. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. So we've been, just because out of my curiosity, we've been focusing, I don't think we've ever delved into Missouri rules on the show, and maybe once or twice, but like mm-hmm. it's been a while and it's still just sort of mysterious to me. But I, for self-serving reasons, I was asking about that because I got to play guitar on that. But I must, what was it about that recording? Was it the fiddling specifically in that recording that made you say, I want to do that too? Or were you playing something else when you heard that recording? A, a different instrument? I was, why didn't you think, I can yeah. play this music on that instrument? At the time, I was, I just, at that point in my life, I, which is like college years, I just played guitar and piano. And really didn't, uh, hadn't delved into any of uh, old-time music of this sort. Um, I didn't know anybody that played stuff like that growing up. Uh, I was more surrounded by people that were really enamored with Travis-style guitar playing. And so I I heard a lot of that growing up and did a little bit of that. In college, I started discovering old-time music from seeing uh, concerts at the University of Kentucky where I went. Mm. I got to see Lee Sexton play several times. Yeah. And that really just kind of flipped a switch in my head. And after that, I I think I went and got the Yazoo Records, like, 50 CD box set or whatever of, you know, Kentucky string band recordings from all these 78s. And mm. Definitely had my favorites from those, and Gate to Go Through was among them, and I was... I mean, I just liked the playing. I liked the sound of it. I didn't really have a sense of, like, what was unique or not unique about that performance at the time. You know, I I wasn't uh, a connoisseur or anything of Hmm. old-school fiddlers. I mean, I'm still not. (laughs) But, you know, so I just loved the way it sounded. Uh, I was enamored with the whole tradition. I was particularly drawn to that tune. I think maybe in retrospect because of some of that dissonance between the mm. melody and the 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 chords at some point i realized that my favorite moment in all of my different favorite fiddle tunes was when it went to the four chord like it's you know what i mean it's yeah. like, it's just like a very specific kind of emotional color and um, it's because you're a sweetheart <laughs> yeah i guess so you know, maybe 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 that's what it says about me um, there are people who who want to shame the four chord uh, in old time music, uh, because they they're afraid of their feelings, All right. and uh, that's what I think. And I, I think it says something really nice <laughs> and trustworthy about you that you like the four specifically. Wow, didn't realize I was revealing so much about myself. <laughs> that's why I'm here, baby. <laughs> um, so yeah, I definitely uh, just liked the tune 
on aesthetic grounds. And uh, then I was reading the liner notes from it and said they were from uh, Carroll County, Kentucky, like I am. Mm. And, and that just really took me for a loop. And I said, why, why have I never heard about this until now? You know, my dad's a musician and uh, yeah. I grew up around musicians, uh, you know, but they were all playing guitar and like playing Credence and the Beatles, you sure. know, and stuff like that. And, uh, Did you come up with a satisfactory answer as to why you hadn't heard? A little bit, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> I went through this process like I uh, wrote an email to my dad and uh, was going to ask him about it. I think the subject line was old-time string band from Carroll County. And uh, we ended up talking on the phone before he had a chance to respond. But... Uh, I asked him, I was like, did you get my email? And he, he said, uh, yeah. He said, as soon as I saw the hit, the subject line, I thought to myself, he's probably asking about Basil Martin. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> the family secret. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but uh, you know, as it turned out, my dad knew the guitar player that was in that wow. band. You know, and, uh, and the guitar player's... The guitar player, and that player from that band was a guy named Basil Martin. He also played the fiddle. And then he had a son, L.C., uh, who also played guitar and fiddle. And my dad said that he would see them go play, you know, on each on the other instrument. They'd play some tunes and just, like, swap instruments and play some more. And um, and then, you know, but I, I think, uh, you know, my, like I said, my dad, he just, I don't think he was particularly drawn to that kind of music. Sure. You know. Oh, he actually made some home recordings, though, actually, of, uh, gosh, I can't remember if it was him or someone else, like, on a little reel-to-reel, you know, these funny little recordings of, um, I think it was either Basil Martin or L.C. Martin, I can't remember, but these playing, like, uh, old-time fiddle tunes, and then whoever's playing guitar is, like, playing electric guitar and oh, like wow. thumb picking and it has a ton of reverb on it so it's like this that sounds great it's like this goofy like uh, almost surf guitar kind of tone I would love to hear <laughs> like that accompanying this this old school Kentucky fiddling do, do those recordings exist anywhere? Uh, no my dad just sort of showed them to me and I said you have, you have to give me a copy of this and they're just on a hard drive at home somewhere yeah <laughs> well if ever you want to make those public I would love to hear that yeah, it, of of uh, Basil specifically playing, and did you say his sister, his son, his son? Okay. I can't. There's like, you know, two or three fiddlers. I have trouble keeping them straight in my head. Um, but uh, you know, so my, to, I guess to try to return to your original question, like my dad just uh, didn't, just didn't really get involved with that kind of music, and I don't know. By the time I was like a little kid, the only people that were still left doing that were like 80 and 90 years old. Right. You know, so at that age, you know, there was nothing. I didn't have any inclination towards it. Hmm. It just didn't occur to him that like that might be. There's nothing in my life that indicated I would care about this one day. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm curious about the, the intersection of, oh, this is music from my hometown and this music is aesthetically pleasing. Because it sounds like you first had a, a physical response to the music before you had an intellectual or emotional, like, yeah. connecting the dots experience. And I'm curious, 
when you've heard the recording and liked it so much and heard that set and before you knew that they were from your hometown, was that enough to get you to want to play the fiddle and play old time music? Mm-hmm. Um, or did it sort of like, was, did it just sort of seal the deal when you found out they were from your hometown? What are the percentages of like aesthetic reasons for playing and kind of personal cultural heritage reasons for playing? And do those inform each other at all? Yeah, that's a tricky question. Um, because I don't, I really don't know myself. It's hard. To, it's hard to tease those apart. Um, I mean, I was already being before I discovered this story and this kind of uh, this this particular connection to that music. I was already in love with like the sound of the fiddle and fiddle tunes, and just already found the music just very like uh, I don't know, just like emotionally engaging. Yeah, and uh, I think I probably just sort of wrote off the fiddle like in my head though at first and was like it's it's too late there's no way right you know <laughs> and then uh, when I but so maybe that learning that history sort of gave me another kick in the butt mm. or something maybe <laughs> yeah you don't have to we don't have to have a headline making story yeah. about this at all <laughs> I'm just always curious because um, I think. People sometimes like to project meaning onto folk music. I think maybe especially instrumental music Mm -hmm. because there's no explicit meaning in it, arguably. Mm -hmm. Um, At least in the text or in the notes and the dots, the pitches and the rhythms, uh, because there's no words. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm always curious if people who grew up in areas that had a fiddle tradition mm-hmm. um, or an old time tradition or whatever if if it's if there's any part of your mind that's like I must like this music because it's like in the in the air maybe that's too woo woo <laughs> or something you mm-hmm. know but like there must be some part of it some sort of like genetic memory or whatever and then some people are like no I just liked it because I liked it everyone else hated it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so yeah I mean uh, I've been playing that tune and like other tunes that I've discovered or attached to where I'm from now for a while now and it's there definitely is I think in me like a an attempt to just kind of forge a connection to or maintain a relationship to where I'm from yeah you know I uh once I started talking to my dad and uh, asking him about some of this history you know he reminded me that you know well his best friend a guy named uh, Clayton Derman you know well his whole family was like full of fiddlers and like Clayton plays the fiddle too and he he knows like all the old-time fiddlers you know so and uh so, you know, as I became more interested in it and more capable of playing fiddle tunes, you know, whenever I go back to Kentucky, I try to get together with with uh, Clayton, and he'll sort of pull these people out of the woodwork. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's he's, and and then we could play some of these tunes together. And he's among the people he's been able to have over is Elsie uh, Martin. You know, whose you know dad made those recordings. I, I haven't seen them, but LC has like some of the original 78s, you mm. know, and, uh, 
and I've gotten to like play tunes with those people, you know, and so it's it's a uh, it's it's not this sort of like a uh, super deep <laughs> extended sort of like <laughs> passing on of the torch or, or anything like yeah. that, you know, but but it is like just a meaningful thing of like, you know, uh family, friends yeah. and uh, you know, place. It sort of just intersects with those melodies, so it, yeah. it it has that meaning for me as well. Yeah, good. Like I said, I definitely I definitely have like my own personal autobiographical emotional reasons for for liking it, but yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it's also just as we love to say, it's a living tradition, and the mm. the point of it really is to sort of it's just a good format for people spending good time together yeah you know that's sort of what it's for <laughs> i agree <laughs> i feel the same way so if you're if you're from the suburbs then great you know then it's it's there to make uh that life yeah good or better <laughs> yeah well on that note let's play another tune or song sure. what do you want to do next why don't i show you this tune it'll actually probably be a good segue for more conversation too great. it's a uh, it's called coon dog but it's not there's a tune by that name that i think some people know and it, i don't think anyone knows this version it's really simple g tune huh. right on um and it does have some chord changes that are not uh obvious <laughs> yeah what kind of backing do you want for this tune uh it's two guitar okay yeah this is a tune um it, it's in the repertoire of uh, a lot of like um, central Kentucky fiddlers. Um, most of them called this thumping bug or thumbing bug, and it would have a third part that I don't play where they're pitzing uh, the strings. Um, but this comes from a fiddler named um, Vincent Crawford, who uh, actually kind of learned a lot from the fiddler... Andy Palmer, who was the fiddler on those Jimmy Johnson recordings. So this is, he called it a coon dog. Thank you. 
what a sweet tune. That's so nice. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Good four chords in that one, too. I know, right? <laughs> Maybe we're uncovering a theme yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm only familiar with two Coondogs. Tunes by the name of Coondog. One is this one that I've only really heard. It's kind of like a party, festival-y kind of version. Mm-hmm. It feels very modern. And then the other one just sounds like Angela and the Baker. Uh-huh, yeah. And they're both in D. I've never heard this one. It's great. Right. I don't think... I don't think anyone plays it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's lovely. Yeah, I found that uh, through uh, a guy named John Herod. Um, I'm curious if you know him. I think so familiar. Yeah. John He's Herod. A, if you live in Kentucky and play the fiddle or the banjo, you, you know who he is. He's a really uh, yeah important person for, like... The preservation of Kentucky uh, fiddle music. He um, during the 1970s and 80s, he was spending you know a lot of time crisscrossing the state, uh, just making documents of old-time fiddlers and following leads. Um, he's made a lot of recordings and um, I guess you could say discoveries of fiddlers that now a lot of people are familiar with, like Darley Folks. Oh, very good. You know? So okay. he, he sort of. You know, yeah, kind of discovered Darley. You know, at, yeah. during during his travels and made some discovered for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, made recordings of him. Great. Um, but uh, and thank I, goodness. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, he's been in. John's been in the process for a while now, getting a lot of the recordings he's made digitized, and uh, a lot of them. Um, he put out a couple records over the years. Um, one maybe on like rounders you know most of the compilations he would do of his, these recordings would have like uh, river themes so you know he put out a uh, album of tunes from along the Ohio River mm. a tune from um, album of tunes from along the Kentucky River um, and uh, you know I had always heard that he lived nearby you know, I'd made recordings of some of these people that our family knew growing up. But um, we crossed paths when I was in high school, but at a, at a, at a backyard uh, music soiree. <laughs> but, like, I, old-time music was not on my radar. But uh, And then eventually we met up, though. I sort of um, connected with him and just started going over to his house like again whenever I was in Kentucky because he lived maybe like 40 minutes away in Owen County and uh, we would just hang out and talk about tunes and talk about players and he every time he'll just give me like like 10 thumb drives full of like his like raw recordings that like haven't been digitized yet and I just kind of have been pouring through those Mm. and that's where I came across that Coondog uh, version with with the guitar accompaniment. I've a uh, there's a there's a recording of that of Vincent Crawford playing that, but it's just fiddle solo. So, but it's to me it's the chords that really make that tune come alive. Yeah, it's it's great. I love that uh, that hanging four that yeah. you showed me. It's so so great. Yeah. You're, you're teaching me a lot about how how to play the guitar <laughs> on old time music in some very specific ways. Yeah. And my relationship to it has been very 
non-specific and just I'm trying to hang on. So uh-huh. this is great for me. Uh-huh. Well, what do you want to play next? Um, let's just do like a gnarly fun one. Do you know the Plowboy Hop? No. It's a B flat tune. Great. And it's guitar. Yeah. Yeah. For great. Sure. The Plowboy Hop from yeah. Grinnell's Giggers. Grinnell's Giggers. Wonderful. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Um, I like to play it pretty fast. Yeah, good. Plowboy, just a boy who works a plow? Is that a position? That's as far as I know. Okay. (laughs) Well, that rules. That's very good. Yeah, that's a funny tune, just because I think there's a lot of discussion about what the hell key is this tune supposed to be in. It's just based on the recording, it's it's clearly like not in like concert tune with anything. Sure. And uh, you know, it's it's B flat, of course, is sort of like a rare kind of awkward key. Yeah. And if you try to put it in more common keys, it kind of works, but it has its own difficulties. When I first learned it and was not comfortable with like B flat playing, I just pushed an A because it was pretty easy in A. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. But then 
I don't know, putting in B flat just opens up cool double stop possibilities. Yeah. You get the sweet notes as yeah. the double as the open strings. Yeah, and just something about the kind of bluesier uh, uh, pitch things that you're that you're able to do for some reason just kind of work a little bit. Yeah, I guess you can't really bend or affect the intonation of open strings yeah. unless you. I guess you can kind of do it with your right hand, but that'd be hard. <laughs> yeah, it's in this weird way, you know, like you're for all the you know fiddle players out there, you're spending a lot of time with your index finger holding down two strings, and then you're just reaching for all the other notes and. The difficulty of doing that, I sort of feel like, actually helps me find like the blue note, like yeah. a little bit easier. It's yeah, like it's the right wrong note. Yeah, a little easier. <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you graduated into playing it in B flat. Yeah, <laughs> that it's was a, yeah, it's it's a great, great key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we have time for one more before we talk about where people go to get your music and keep up to date and buy your new album. Yeah. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Why don't we... We should probably do something that's on that record. I think I'll do one on the banjo. Oh, wonderful. And, um, and I would love to... Let's try it with guitar. It's on the record as a solo banjo piece, but it's just the wild horse. It's, this is a just a kind of arrangement I came up with. Um, was kind of desperate to sound like Dan Gellert on the banjo as many banjo players are yeah and uh, just for whatever reason just found a way to play this with a kind of a hard swing and try to add some kind of bluesier uh, touches to it yeah that's just, his thing isn't it yeah <laughs> and, this, and this is what came out right on cool
haven't heard someone playing that tuning in a long time. It's so fun and ringy. I always forget. Yeah, this <laughs> is so great. One of my favorite tunings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What a great wild horse. Thank you. So lovely. Well, where do people go to get your album and to follow you on the internet? Yeah, the if you want to buy the record, it's called um, "If I Live and I Don't Get Killed." It got put out by uh, Tiki Parlor oh, Records uh, in September of 2021. You can go to my website. Um, I use my full name for the URL. It's Clinton Ross Davis. Oh, good. My Instagram handle is also my full name, Clinton Ross Davis. Um, there, are any website you go to, you'll find. If I've done my job well enough, you'll find pretty easily a, a way to buy the record. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah, and they can follow you on in those places for the next yeah. time you, you cut a record. Yeah, just look me up on Great. anything. Facebook, YouTube, all cool. that jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the album. I still haven't heard it, uh, so I'll check that out and have a wonderful time at your show tonight? Are you playing tonight I'll or tomorrow? I'll be playing uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Here at the Portland Old Time Music Gathering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On a concert with uh, the Horsenecks and then uh, Nikosi Fields. Good company. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you want to play for your last tune? Oh, why don't we do a Give the Fiddler a Dram? Yeah, good. Um, I'd love to do it with the banjo. Oh, great. We haven't had that yet. Kick it off whenever you're ready.
Visit Clinton Davis's website, clintonrossdavis.com, to buy a copy of If I Live and I Don't Get Killed. Sign up for his newsletter, inquire about lessons, and check his calendar for upcoming shows. You can also follow him on Instagram at Clinton Ross Davis. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional Clawhammer banjo series or to schedule a lesson with me. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set. It's available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. Everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool. <laughs>